Episode 71, SEO for Online Courses with Caleb Ugu. The Online Course Guy Podcast. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content and packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. Didn't you take some kind of course that covered this stuff? Check it out. It's a good course. It'd be a good class. Ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? Here's the Online Course Guy. Hey everyone, this is Jacques Hopkins, and this is the Online Course Guy podcast, and this is episode 71 of this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode, and I'm coming at you today with back-to-back contractor episodes. So in the last episode, I shared with you my interview with the person I outsourced my email and customer support and YouTube comment moderation and all that good stuff, and I've gotten a lot of great feedback from that episode. And in this episode, I'm sharing with you an interview with the guy who runs the company that have I've been outsourcing my SEO or search engine optimization to over the past like 18 months. And it's it's a really in depth conversation about SEO and what he's been doing for piano in 21 days, a lot of great advice as well. I'll tell you more about that in a second. But first, let me tell you about our sponsor of this podcast, and that is Bonjoro. With Bonjoro, they make it super easy to send a quick video to anybody with an email address. The way I use this is anybody that buys Piano in 21 Days or that buys my course on how to make an online course, the next day they'll get one of these Bonjoros from me. I will call you out by name. I'll thank you. I'll welcome you. And it's just a great way to Start. It just starts people off on the right foot when they're taking your online course. If you have an online course, I recommend that you sign up for a tool like Bonjoro, and you can get started with a free 14-day trial by going to bonjoro.com slash Jacques. That's bonjoro.com slash J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. So I'm going to play for you the full interview with Caleb Ulku of ulkulogistics.com. That's U-L. KU. And guys, if you need some help with SEO, I definitely recommend you reach out to Caleb. This is not something he came to me and he's like, hey, Jacques, can I tap into your audience and and promote my services? I reached out to him. I was like, hey, Caleb, would you be interested in coming on the episode and talking about what you and your company have been doing for Piano in 21 Days? I think it would give listeners a lot of insight to SEO because it can be so confusing, don't really know where to go. And yeah, for those that maybe want to talk to you and use some of your services, because I recommend your services, then we can definitely talk about that, you know, talk about how they can get in touch with you. But uh, we went a little long on this episode uh, because we just, we had a lot to talk about and it's, it's SEO is something I'm interested in, but I'm not interested in doing it myself. So it was really interesting to hear Caleb talk about these things. I asked him about things like white hat versus black hat versus gray hat. I asked him some of his tips for people that can't afford to outsource SEO, like what how can you start out and, and put your best foot forward when you're just starting out with SEO? And he talked about how to handle when Google makes updates. He talked about Google versus Bing. A lot of great content in this episode. So let's jump into this SEO conversation with Caleb Uku right now. Hey, Caleb, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? I'm doing real well. Thanks, Jacques. I, uh, I'm excited to talk to you. Not that we haven't talked a hundred times before, but we've never talked in this setting um, with a with an audience. Obviously, it's not live, but there will be people listening to this. And I really want to approach this from a couple different angles. You've been working with Piano in 21 Days for over a year now. And I want you to talk a little bit about what you've done and what you, you and your company do for my company. But then also just from like online courses in general and the people listening to this that could use a few tips on... Uh, a few SEO tips for online courses. So does that sound like a good plan? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love talking shop. Yeah, for sure. I, I, we've done it plenty of times. So I know, like I said, we've been working together. uh, You've been helping with me with piano in 21 days for over a year now. Can you kind of talk about what, what all the things are that you, you help me with? Sure. So most of it falls under just the broad spectrum of search optimization, which as most people know, it's, what we do to move your website onto the first page of Google search results. Um, Jacques, you've probably heard me tell this joke before. It's the only joke I know related to search engine optimization. So you're just going to have to bear with me. Uh, Do you know where the best place to hide a dead body is? What's that? 
the second page of Google search. Yeah, it gets me every time, Caleb. That's good stuff. I know, right? Uh, so with search optimization, the real focus is on making sure we're doing enough that Google algorithm, Google's algorithm likes to push your website onto the first page. If we only do enough to get to the second page, we probably would have been better off doing nothing. Yeah. So what, what are some of the thing? I mean, I had no, I had no search presence that I'm aware of when we started working together and I had started to do some ads, AdWords, Facebook ads. And I'm like, I just, I really want to diversify my traffic as much as possible. So then I started looking for some help with SEO. Do you remember if I had any sort of search per, uh, presence when we started working together? Right. So again, thinking about first page uh, search results, you had a lot of keywords on the ninth and 10th page, which not very helpful. On right. the first page, from what I remember, uh, you had two keywords. One of them was piano in 21 days. And the other was Jacques Hopkins. Uh, you'll be horrified to learn that both of those keywords had very low search volumes. <laughs> well, you know, when you're good, you're good, Caleb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I needed some help in that arena. Um, and, and I didn't even know where to start, man. I mean, SEO is just like, it, it's, it, it's just out there. And with, like with Google Ads, I was able to take a course on Google Ads and follow like a step-by-step program and get it to work myself. And, and now I outsource uh, Google. They call it Google Ads now and supposed to Google AdWords. Right, right. But SEO was just so different. It was just so out there. I mean, right. how, do you, how do you even approach something like SEO? Right. And what's extra fun about it, if you start to do searches for SEO, learning SEO, you'll find posts. Brian Dean has a real fun one that I like to share with people where he breaks down the 200 variables that Google search algorithm uses to rank sites. I mean, there's not many more overwhelming things that you can send people than, oh, you want to do it yourself? Check out this link. There's only 200 things you need to worry about and optimize in order to make it work. Um, But, I mean, at the end of the day, Google's algorithm is focused on delivering the best experience that it can to its users. So... With only a few exceptions, if we're doing things to make our the users' lives better, people who click on your site from organic search, that will be good from an SEO perspective. The challenge is to make sure that we do enough of that. So, you know, I mentioned the 200 variables. Luckily, we can ignore 197 of those for the vast majority of websites out there. There are three things that Google's algorithm really cares about for most searches. And that is uh, the content, the topically relevant content on your site, um, the backlinks, that is other powerful websites linking to your website. I like to joke that Larry Page, in his Stanford PhD dissertation that outlined the beginnings of Google's algorithm, turned the internet into a high school popularity contest. Uh, more popular sites link to your site, your site gets more popular, just like making friends with the popular kids in high school. Um, I struggled with that a little bit myself in high school, but luckily the internet makes it easier. And the third one is something that Google affectionately calls rank brain, which is an overarching name for a variety of user interaction metrics. What's your bounce rate? What's your time on page? Uh, all of these types of things that rank brain, all of those, um, all of those facets don't become important unless you're already on the first page. So content and backlinks get you to the first page. Good user engagement keeps you there and gets you higher. So at the end of the day, like Google is a business and they they have a service and they want to provide the best possible experience for their customers. And so they want to provide the best possible results for any particular search term that somebody is searching for, right? Correct. And in my opinion, they're getting better and better and better at doing that. I think several years ago, I was trying to rank for the search term, learn piano fast. And so I put those three words together as many places as I could possibly put them on my homepage. And I got to the first page, but I didn't stay there very long. And, um, and I think I was just trying to game the system. And I think if I did that today, I would never even get close to the first page. But fortunately, with your help, I think I'm ranking on the first page for that search term among many, many others. Um, wh- like, what has been the 
I mean, you mentioned philosophically, like SEO, like these three factors and stuff, but specifically like for piano in 21 days, what are, what are the steps that you guys took to start getting my site results? Right. Uh, so usually one of the examples that I really like to use very similar to piano in 21 days, but it's easier for people not intimately familiar with their, with your specific course to understand. Uh, the example that I like to use is star Wars, you know, Again, going back to how popular it was in high school. Um, so if we were trying to rank for this keyword Star Wars, which is obviously a very highly competitive keyword, uh, the first thing we do is get some really good writers and write a four or 5,000 word page all about Star Wars and every facet of what Star Wars that I could think about. Then I try to get a bunch of other websites to link back to that piece of content. Um, that would not be enough, not nearly. And you mentioned something very interesting a couple of years ago, just putting a bunch of keywords on content is, was enough to show Google that's what that content was about. In 2017, just last year, this is how fun everything is in SEO, Google made a core algorithm update where the actual keywords, exact match keywords, are suddenly much, much less important. Google is now relying on topical relevance. We know this, and this is a crazy number. We know this because um, almost two-thirds of the web pages that show up on the first page of Google search results do not have the exact match search query on the web page anywhere. Google has determined those web pages are about that topic. They're the best ones about that topic. doesn't matter if it's using the exact match keywords or not. Uh, we can actually demonstrate that Bing still relies on search words, which is part of the reason why Bing is the fourth most popular search engine in the world behind Google's other property, YouTube and uh, Amazon. So, um, so back to the Star Wars example. So our goal here is to build topical relevance in order to rank for Star Wars. One article is not going to be enough. So I'm going to write five to 10 more articles about Princess Leia and Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker and lightsabers and anything else I can think of related to Star Wars. And I'm going to link all of those articles back up to the one I'm trying to rank while I also link the one I'm trying to rank down to that second tier of articles. Then I'm going to go get a bunch of links to that second tier of articles. You know, one thing I like to say is Google's algorithm can easily understand if it's reasonably well-written English by a native English speaker, doesn't have any grammatical errors, doesn't have a bunch of typos. But beyond that, Google can't tell if, Hemingway wrote it or if I wrote it. Uh, Google uses third-party independent backlinks as a sign for whether it's really good or just passively well-written. And for a search term like Star Wars, once I finish those first two tiers, I might then have to go and get a third tier of articles. Well, I'll write five articles about Princess Leia, link them all up to Princess Leia, link the Princess Ar Leia article back down to them, and rinse and repeat until I'm actually ranking. So eventually for a highly competitive search term like that, we could be looking at hundreds of thousands of words of content and dozens of supporting articles in this tiered structure. And what happens when Google, when Google's bots land on this page, they're going to be the first page about Star Wars, and they're going to see all of those links to other articles, more about Star Wars, that link back up to the Star Wars article and say, oh, wow, this is really about Star Wars. The challenge is, one of the challenges is it has to be done in such a way that we don't write six articles about Star Wars because then Google doesn't know which one of those six we want them to rank. So it has to be one article about what you want them to rank and then supporting articles that are just different enough to not be on the same topic but still relevant. So that's what we're doing with Piano, Piano in 21 Days, is figuring out which articles on that page are currently receiving traffic and then how to configure all the other blog posts that you have on there to further boost the ones that are getting traffic, the ones that Google likes. At what point is this just like gaming the system though? Well, I like to say what we're doing is figuring out what Google's algorithm likes to see and then giving it to Google's algorithm. So what, what I'm what I'm getting at is yeah I mean I, like I said 
Google wants to have the best experience for its users. And so, and it's getting better and better and better at doing that. So something that works today might not work tomorrow. But what another example I'm getting at is I was talking to somebody on the podcast the other day who has a site and a course on uh, language learning and she, she didn't even realize I did, I do some research usually before I talk to people on the podcast. She has an article on her website. She's ranking number one <laughs> for the search term Duolingo review, which is a pretty high volume search. Uh, it, it's like, she's not doing anything. She's not doing any of these things you're talking about, but yet she's still number one for this search term. So like, where do you draw the line between just trying to write the best damn piece of content you can write versus doing all these tiered things and outreach and all these things you're talking about? Right. Absolutely. Uh, That's a a good question. So the first thing that I would say is, you know, without obviously diving into her website, uh, she's obviously established with Google's algorithm that she is highly relevant for that particular topic. Uh, most webmasters, when they're doing their own blog, doing their course, writing new pages of content, they'll do internal linking naturally. Um, Wikipedia is the master of this and a great model to think about using from an internal linking standpoint. And I mean, Wikipedia didn't do all that because they wanted to rank higher. They did all that to help their users and they're ranking number one for like everything because they're Wikipedia. So there, is, there are uh, people who sometimes just by designing things correctly, by designing things well that their users will enjoy, happen to coincide with what Google wants. The other thing I would mention is if you were doing this before 2017, um, you could get away with a lot more stuff. Uh, so when we originally started publishing content for Piano in 21 Days, topical relevance and the siloed topics and the tiered tiered content and all that that I was talking about wasn't nearly as important. Um, Google hadn't made those updates yet. What was important was having lots of relevant content. And uh, Jacques, you probably remember the times when we were publishing, you know, 10 or 20 blog posts a month uh, written by uh, Jacques Hopkins, all about learning piano as quickly as possible. I was and, working hard that those months. Caleb. Yeah, it was rough, right? Cranking out 20,000 words a month plus doing all the other things you're working on. Um, because the fascinating thing is once you get onto the first page, if your user engagement metrics, your rank brain metrics are good, you're probably not going to leave the first page. So even if your, your content is a complete mess and doesn't line up with these relevant silos, um, if you've been in the number one position, people click on your site, they, they stay there for a long time. The worst possible thing that can happen is somebody clicks on your search result, spends 10 seconds there, hits back, and then clicks on someone else's. If that's not happening, then you'll probably stay in that number one position, even if you did a bunch of other things wrong. Um, so we have, so one of our clients um, does, um, fishing excursions. Um, I'm on the, on the Gulf Coast here. So they do fishing excursions. So we were working with them, working with them and got their traffic up to a pretty, pretty good standpoint, but then it starts to plateau and they're coming back and saying, hey, why is the traffic not going up anymore? And it's just like, well, no one else is searching for fishing excursions. We've, we've tapped it out. We've, there's just not much more search volume to go after. It's a local business. So it's, oh, okay, well, we're going to add scuba diving. Okay, so we start, we publish a couple of content pieces about scuba diving, add them to the website. Did they not rank for scuba diving? We saw their fishing excursions rank drop. Um, so then we published a lot more about scuba diving and siloed the scuba diving stuff off from the fishing excursion stuff. And we saw the fishing excursions recover. And then the scuba diving, you know, the first step was getting them indexed for scuba diving keywords and then work them way up. So it's kind of, did you do it in 2015 when all you had to do was put the same keyword over and over again and now you're anchored there? Because doing it now is, as you said, it's more difficult. Yeah, so so like if I wanted to get into guitar lessons, right, we, we wouldn't want to just hammer guitar really, really hard because that will bring down the relevance of piano overall. And it would be better for me to like create a whole new website, guitarin21days.com. Is that kind of <laughs> what you're saying? 
that would be safest. Uh, but Piano in 21 Days has a lot of authority. It has a really good backlink profile. So we'd have to weigh, you know, the pros and cons of doing that. And if we did decide, yeah, first of all, Piano in 21 Days isn't a great domain anyway for guitar lessons, but we'll set that <laughs> aside. Um, we wouldn't, even if we decided, okay, we're going to publish on Piano in 21 Days, we wouldn't start with just one article. Uh, we'd probably start with a, a stack of articles and make sure that from the moment they were first published, they had their own silo, they were all internally linked, all of that stuff was set up correctly to minimize the probability that your piano stuff is affected. All that being said, you know, I say things like minimize the probability because at the end of the day, Google does what it does. You know, we don't have, we don't know exactly what's driving the algorithm. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen until we try it, which isn't super encouraging. Yeah. So, I mean, every time I talk to you, I'm like, man, I'm so glad that he's doing this and not me. Uh, <laughs> and when I, when I was first looking for some help with SEO, um, I did something that is probably not a great idea. And that is I put a post out there on Upwork and just, you get just so much trash by doing that. Um, specifically with SEO, because I'm, I'm very, I'm a huge fan of Upwork and I've had, I've found some amazing people on Upwork, but SEO is probably one of those areas that's, you just attract the, um, you know, everybody comes out of the woodwork and can quote unquote do SEO for you and just hundreds of applicants and whatnot. And, uh, yours, yours jumped out by far more than anybody just because you obviously knew what you're ta talking about and you took the time to just write and write and write <laughs> all like all these things about SEO, but it wasn't generic. It was all these things about my website. And that will, that's what was so impressive about you and your business is that you took the time to analyze this stuff and give me all these details. And I, and I saw like on your, um, background and everything that you, um, you, your background was engineering. And so we had that, we had that in common and I was, I could tell you were just taking a really analytical approach, but that you, you really cared about this stuff too. So how did you, like, how did somebody like you even get into SEO? Cause like, it's not like you can go to school and major in it. <laughs> yeah. They, you should be able to though. Right. I mean, how much, how valuable is that uh, skill set? Um, right. So it started for, so I, I spent 10 years working for ExxonMobil out of college and, um, one of the last roles that I had there was in, you know, one of the departments that looks at, at PR, I'll say it was one of the PR type areas. I was working with someone from PR and they were starting to dive into a bunch of the SEO and SCM, these types of things. Um, and I, I left ExxonMobil for family reasons um, and moved to the Mississippi Gulf Coast and decided that I was going to start my own business. And uh, what I was going to do was use my process and procedure-driven mindset that was gradually beat into me after 10 years at ExxonMobil and help other small businesses learn how to run themselves better. So I started a website, started you know, going to Chamber of Commerce type events, and I would explain to people, oh, I help businesses run themselves better. Um, and I'd get a lot of blank stares, like, I, what? What are you talking about? You do what? And then they'd say things like, can you help me with like my Facebook? And one of the things that you learn early on as a young entrepreneur, uh, is the answer is, yeah, I, I absolutely can. Um, so, you know, started to learn about a lot of those aspects based on people asking me for it. And then started to play around a lot with my own website to try to rank better for these business consulting terms I was going after. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we started doing early on, because you're, you're absolutely right, you want to learn about Facebook ads, you can go get a book about Facebook ads, run Facebook ads, and, oh, okay, cool, this is working. But you, you buy as many books as you want about SEO and First of all, they all say different things and what they do say isn't terribly helpful. You know, even in this conversation, if, if I were brand new into SEO um, and we, we patted around this quite a bit, Jacques, but I've, if I were brand new into SEO listening to this, 
And I keep hearing this guy say, oh, get backlinks, get backlinks, get backlinks. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is how? How do you get backlinks? That doesn't make it like, what, what are we going to ask some other website? Hey, will you link over to Piano in 21 Days for me? I mean, that doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, like uh, SEO guidebooks can be challenging for that reason. But we just started um, trying out different things. We're a big fan of split testing. Um, and we can do this with SEO as well as we do it with Facebook and, and Google Ads and, and whatnot. So, you know, if we're not sure, should we do something, you know, this way or that way, which, which way is Google's algorithm going to respond to more? Well, let's launch 10 websites. We'll do five of them this way, five of them that way. Uh, we'll target all of them to rank for some made-up word that doesn't exist. And whichever five are on top, and usually, not surprisingly, it's not like there's five on the, you know, five of that way is on top and the five are below. There's usually like three and then two. And so even those aren't completely cut and clear, but at least they give us an idea of, okay, so we need to do it that way for Google's algorithm. Yeah, and you, you're you not just a one-man show. Um, what, what's the name of your company uh, and, and, and where can people find uh, more about your company? Sure, it's Ulka Logistics, um, which is a strange name for an SEO company. I get a lot of people who think we manage uh, like tr- delivery trucks and whatnot. Um, the reason that we went with the name Ulka Logistics is uh, logistics is about managing people systems. Uh, it's more most commonly used in shipping and delivering. Perhaps I should have thought of that before naming the company, but anyway, and managing people systems is really what search optimization is about, right? We were joking about how in the time that we worked together, uh, we have published, I don't know, 250,000 words of content on your domain about learning to play the piano. Uh, so it's, it's managing the staff that can do that, managing the editors who can make sure that content is SEO optimized, managing the relationships with third-party websites to get the links back to them, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's Ulka Logistics. Um, it's ulkalogistics.com. I'm Caleb Ulku. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Caleb Ulku Logistics. Um, all right, so... Like I said a couple of times, we've been you've been working. Uh, your company's been working on Piano in 21 Days and the search presence on Google um, and other search engines for the better part of a year, over over a year now. Um, and it basically had no search presence to begin with. So, can you share some of the metrics where we are now with some things? Sure. So, one of the biggest ones, of course, is how is the overall organic traffic. Um, and we're at about 5,000 uh, monthly visitors from Google search. Um, most of those are from what we call unbranded keywords. So a keyword like piano in 21 days is obviously a branded keyword. It's not hard to rank for branded keyword, and it's not hard to get traffic from branded keywords. They're looking for you. They'll typically click on your website. Most of this traffic is coming from unbranded keywords. Learn to play the piano, how to play the piano, best way to learn the piano, etc. The other metric that we look at quite a bit is uh, Google AdWords equivalent. So what that means is um, the tool that we use uh, will track what somebody typed into Google when they and then clicked through to your website. So again, for example, um, learn to play piano. And you probably know this because you're running Google Ads. If you wanted to buy a click for the search term learn to pay piano, it would cost you about $5. Um, So you had 400 people search for learn to play piano on Google and then click on your website. Uh, You didn't pay Google anything for that, but you would have paid $1,200 for that equivalent traffic. Um, So that AdWords equivalent is up to about $6,000 a month. And we're at about 560 first page keywords. Uh, so we've made some good progress, but there've been, uh, been, been some solid learnings along the way too. Yeah. It, it, we've come a long way since zeros across the board. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, how much, how much room do you think we have to grow still? Well, there are competitors of yours that we still keep an eye on that are still getting four or five times the traffic that you are in a similar space. So 
uh, we haven't quite tapped out the uh, deep sea fishing market yet. <laughs> For somebody with just one joke, you keep trying to, <laughs> <laughs> to throw them out there. All right. So next, let me ask you this. You, with, with SEO more than anything, you hear about these words, these, these, these terms like white hat, black hat, gray hat, right? What, what, is, what does all that mean? Right. Well, so, okay. So there's a, there's a theoretical philosophical answer and my personal answer. So we'll start with the theoretical philosophical. Um, white hat is supposed to mean link building techniques that if you called up Google on the phone and said, Hey, we're doing this to get links, they would say, cool, keep it up. Uh, gray hat is, well, you're doing things that look like white hat, but you're not doing them in the white hat way where if you call Google and said, Hey, I'm getting links from these sites, they'd say, cool. But if you told them how you're getting them, they'd be a little bit less enthusiastic about it. And black hat is typically doing things that are obviously against the spirit of what Google is trying to do. Uh, a very clear example of something that's black hat is it's possible to uh, cloak the content on a website. Google bots have very specific IP addresses when they crawl around the internet. So if you were a black hat SEO, you could design a website that shows Google bots one version of content and then shows every user a different version of content. Obviously, if you get caught doing that, Google will be very mad because they want their bots to see what the users are seeing. Um, so that's the like classic definition, I think, if you looked it up. And... On my personal view, if you do a close read of like Google terms and conditions, um, they basically say you should not be doing link building at all. Um, you need to write good content, publish good content, and then hope. Uh, or to use alliteration, uh, publish and pray. I'm, I didn't coin that, Brian Dean did, but it's, a, it's an apt description of what Google actually wants you to do. And maybe that worked in 1996 when it wasn't, super competitive. Um, but now, you know, you'll, you'll be finding yourself just full of hope if, um, if you blindly try to follow the Google's terms and conditions. Even, even a lot of the classic outreach that we call white hat, where you'll write some awesome piece of content and then email webmasters and ask them to link to that content, uh, Google would not typically be very happy with that behavior. So I usually see white and gray hat as, as blended more a little bit. Like we need to get links. Um, we have ways that we use to get those links. A lot of it is based on pre-existing relationships um, and we'll leverage those to get links that, uh, you know, we're not cloaking anything. <laughs> we, we wouldn't go so far as to do anything that's so, you know, obviously against what Google wants because at the end of the day, um, getting penalized like a manual penalty or an algorithmic penalty from Google uh, will typically bring your search traffic down to zero. And a business that's used to getting thousands or tens of thousands of visitors and then goes to zero, that's often worse than never having got the traffic to begin with. So when I get, you know, now that, now that, you know, with, with your help, Piano in 21 Days is, is a somewhat of an authority on the topic. I, I get more and more emails and requests from people to my inbox. They're like, hey, I just wrote this article. Would you mind linking to it? So what you're saying is that technically that is actually against Google's terms. You shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be asking you for links. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So as the, as the owner of an agency that, uh, that, that does that helps clients with SEO, how, how do you and your company stay up to date with the latest and greatest tricks and tools of the trade? Yeah, so a big one is split testing, uh, but we're surprised just like everyone else when significant changes happen. And I know we've talked about this before, Jacques. Um, anyone who's even casually keeping up with SEO probably heard about the August 1st of this year uh, core algorithm update that Google made. It's being called the Medic update. Not nearly as cute as Penguin and Panda, some of the other ones, but that's fine. We'll go with Medic. Um, 
you know, we were as surprised as everyone who doesn't work for Google when that algorithm update was rolled out. And by, you know, the end of the first week in August, it was scrambling to try to figure out, okay, what's different? What are they looking for now? Uh, what do we have to change um, to, you know, do better now with this new update? So, and those updates are actually becoming more and more frequently. It used to be that Google would do that once a year, every other year. The last time they did a core algorithm update was in March. It wasn't as significant as August. And before that, it was Christmas. When I say Christmas, I don't mean around Christmas. I mean December 25th, Christmas <laughs> Day, which is just awful for them to do that on Christmas Day. But anyway, um, so the updates are becoming more frequent. Um, you know, if I had a, a tin hat, uh, I would say that Google is doing that because they get 90, 95% of their revenue from Google search ads. And if they had a class teaching people how to do SEO, people might be more interested in paying for that class instead of continuing to pay for Google search ads. Um, so by making it very opaque what to do to actually rank, um, and then on top of that, changing the rules of the game every once in a while, it becomes harder and harder to um, keep driving organic traffic, especially if you're doing it as a one-man show. That's, that's so fascinating. I mean, do you, do you even get any warning that these updates are coming? No. Uh, and in fact, Google didn't even admit that there was an August 1st update until a couple of days later. And one of their, uh, I, don't, Matt, I don't remember the guy's name, I should, but he confirmed on Twitter a couple of days later, yeah, we, we did an update. So do you just follow like SEO blogs and like new, like marketing news and stuff to, to, yeah, exactly. Moz actually has a a really good metric where, um, they, they basically watch how volatile search rankings are on essentially a real time basis. And they'll send out emails. If you subscribe to it, if uh, search volatility hits a certain level and like, Oh, Google made a change. (laughs) So what about like other search engines? And I'm not necessarily talking about like your Amazons and your YouTubes, but, but more like Bing. Like do those follow, does Bing follow the same patterns of, of updating their algorithms? Like how close is the Bing algorithm to the Google algorithm? Um, so the last time we really focused on Bing, I'll admit was probably over a year ago. Uh, Bing has been losing ground uh, consistently to, to Google, they, they, they did gain a lot of it when they became the default search engine for Firefox, um, but they're not the default search engine for Firefox anymore. And basically the issue is um, in 2017, we had very strong evidence that Google was able to render websites on the fly and rank them based on what the user would see instead of based on source code. So the big example for this is and you know this because your website has an incredibly lengthy homepage, is we would tell clients, you know, we want 2,000, 3,000 words on the homepage. We want all of these editorial links from the homepage, these internal pages in order to pass that authority to get them ranked. And they would say, well, that's really ugly. I don't want to do that. And then we would say, well, go ahead and create a JavaScript or a CSS uh, code to hide all those links, to hide that content so that your users won't see it, but Google will because all that content is still in your source code. Um, and in 2017, tail end of 2016, it became very apparent that um, if you hide stuff with CSS or JavaScript, Google doesn't count it. Uh, but Bing still did. Uh, so, you know, the joke that we make is, you know, Bing is Google uh, three years ago. But, you know, admittedly, I don't, I don't keep up with Bing very much at all anymore. It's, it's all about... Um, we usually assume that if you're ranking well on Google, you'll rank well on Bing. Um, I will say that Bing is a lot more, um, they're a lot more open in their terms of service. Bing, actually, if you read their terms of service, they'll actually give you ideas for how to link build. <laughs> so they're, they're a little bit um, more into it like that. Um, Bing values sheer number of links. Uh, Google has moved away from that and really looks at the quality of it. So, I mean, that's kind of a funny thing, right? Oh, I want to rank better in Bing, so I'm going to go get 10,000 backlinks. Well, if they're 10,000 shady backlinks, then you'll rank less in Google. And 
it's a very special company that's going to do better ranking in Bing and not Google. So given all that, it sounds like there's, there's no point to focus on Bing at all. Just focus everything on Google and theoretically Bing will follow along. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point though. If I had to think about it, if um, the exception to that I would give is Bing is less competitive uh, and easier because they're not as advanced as Google. So if, if I were in a highly competitive space, um, you know, like, like business coaching, uh, like coaching executives, like executive coaching, right? It's a highly competitive space on Google search. And if I'm looking at that thinking, well, I have five hours a week to dedicate to SEO and I don't want to hire anyone to do it for me. In that case, I might focus all of my efforts on Bing because with both search engines, right? I already gave the dead body joke. If you get yourself to from position 60 to position 11, the only way you'll be happy is if you're looking at ranking reports. Your actual traffic doesn't go up much. That's really, that's an interesting perspective. I, I sometimes share similar advice when we're talking about uh, paid advertising to people. Not that I'm a paid advertising expert, but if somebody has a very limited budget and they want to get into like Google ads, I'm, I'm tell them, why not start with Bing ads? Right. Because you can typically get a, a higher return. And like for Piano in 21 Days, I spend as much as I possibly can on both Google ads and Bing ads, but my return is higher on Bing. So if you're not going to be spending as much as you possibly can, you have a small budget, hey, start with Bing. You're going to get a higher return. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting is it also depends on the type of product you have. Um, Bing tends to skew a little bit more toward baby boomers um, because Bing is the default search engine for Windows and iPhones. And mm -hmm. I get this feeling, I hope nobody from Bing is going to listen to this, but I get this feeling that... Uh, I hope they do. <laughs> I get this feeling that most of the current users of Bing are people who didn't bother to change their default search right. engine for Microsoft or iPhones. Yeah. And as you know, like my audience for Piano in 21 Days does skew older as well. Um, so another reason that my conversion rate is higher on Bing, but I've heard that uh, across the board, typically Bing ads are a little bit higher conversion and right. it is especially true for Piano in 21 Days, just because my audience does skew older and a typical Piano in 21 Days user is going to be more of a Bing user probably than a Google user, but that's just me and my brain. My six-year-old's a bit of an outlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, judging from talking to you, Caleb, I'm sure your six-year-old doesn't quite act like a six-year-old. <laughs> I hope he um, doesn't act like a baby boomer. No, well, right. No, <laughs> just just take that as a compliment and let's uh, let's move forward here. So, somebody that is just getting started in this stuff, maybe has an idea for an online course. What advice do you have? And let's take an example of somebody that doesn't really have the funds to hire somebody like you and your agency. What advice do you have for them to kind of start out on the right foot with SEO, with their online presence? Right. So if, so if I were, so the first question, okay. So the first piece of advice is going to be to choose a course that has low keyword competitiveness. Now, that obviously is going to be a challenge because presumably they have an idea in mind when they decide that they want to launch a course. But ideally, they'll think, ooh, I want to launch a course. Let me start a bunch of keyword research to figure out what course I should launch um, and then find one that has uh, relatively low keyword difficulty. Uh, okay, so we'll move beyond that because that's probably not very good advice. Um, the first thing to be aware of is, is time, is age. So if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to launch a course in a few months, uh, I got to do all the recording, but I know what my name is. So, you know, let me start recording all these videos. Um, the one of the important factors, you know, number four, you know, I said we could ignore the other 197. But one of the other important factors is how old is your domain? How long ago is the domain registered? If your domain is less than three to six months old, it is incredibly difficult to rank for anything unless you have a bunch of links from CNN and Forbes and, and, and whatnot. So as soon as you have a brand name, uh, buy a domain, throw a website up, even if it's a thousand words describing the course before you've done anything else, just get that clock ticking for age. Um, then the next aspect is going to be around writing good content. And I know that's the same advice that every guru gives, but that's because it's necessary, right? 
it's like when you're at Disney World, you have to be at least 44 inches to ride the ride. If you don't have good content, there's nothing else you can do that's going to work. Okay? So make sure the content is good. And ideally, you'll at least do a cursory level of keyword uh, research to have an idea of what type of content to write. Now, I know I said a little bit ago that Google has moved away from using specific keywords. And now I'm saying do keyword research before you write your content. And the reason for that is there are um, very similarly related topics that you can find with keyword research that you then need to work at least a little bit into the content. For piano in 21 days, right, learn piano, learn piano fast, how to play piano, those are all pretty clear. But then with keyword research, we started to find a lot of your competitors were ranking for terms like, you know, what songs to play, easy songs to play in the piano, pop songs to play in the piano. So we started writing content around those, which is obviously topically similar, but just different enough and less competitive keywords than learn to play piano. So uh, find those shoulder topics that are closely related, but are less competitive uh, than what your actual course is about, and then use that to drive people to your course. And then the last bit is going to be about getting backlinks. Okay. So how would I go about getting backlinks if, if, if I was starting over? Um, so what I would not do is email webmasters and ask for a link because that doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, I admit that we did that. We had uh, a group of people. Uh, we had three people and they would come to work every day and spend their entire day blasting emails to webmasters asking for links. We did that for three weeks, sent thousands of emails and received zero links. Um, so yeah, don't do that. That's not a good use of time. Um, okay. So other things that I might do is first of all, it starts with finding out who is ranking in your space, you know, do the basic keyword searches for the ones that you're trying to rank the high volume ones, the good ones, and find out who's ranking for them. Then you're going to start to need a, a tool that will check your backlinks, um, backlinks of your competitors. The best one is called Ahrefs, but it's also $400 a month. Uh, so when I first started out, the one that I used was Majestic. It's majestic.com. They'll even give you the first few links for free. I think they're like $70 a month or something, and it's a pretty good place to start. So you type your competitor's website into Majestic, and then Majestic will show you, here's all the websites that linked back to your competitor. And... I would go to those websites one by one and see if it's a website that would be likely to give me a backlink. Um, you know, one, you know, one of the clients I was doing this for, one of his competitors had a backlink because he was sponsoring the NBA New Orleans Hornets team, which is like a $10,000 sponsorship. So nope, probably not going to get that one. Let's move on to the next link. And, uh, you know, chambers of commerce are an excellent source. You have to be a little bit careful because some chambers do their links in such a way that they don't give you any value. They have to be plain do follow links. Uh, for those of you who are interested, I think I maintain about a dozen memberships at the New Orleans Chamber of Commerce. Uh, the New Orleans Chamber is like $150 a year, and they give a very powerful backlink as a result of being a member. Uh, I've had a lot of fun conversations with New Orleans uh Chamber of Commerce staff who ask if I'm happy with my membership. Have I been to any, have I been to any events? No, I've never been to any events. Uh, have I seen leads from the website? No, I haven't seen leads from the website. Am I happy with my membership? Yes, I'm very happy with my membership. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a good freebie there. The New Orleans chamber, other chambers are like that too, but it's not all of them. So you have to do your due diligence. You um, feel like you're holding back on, on from me a little bit because you know New Orleans is just 60 miles down the road for me. Yeah, man, we should we should have joined you up for the signed you up for the New Orleans Chamber. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that's a good one. Uh, and yeah, it, so you might think how are you, how are you going to outrank these websites by copying some of their links? Well, if you pull all of the links from the top five, ten ranking websites for a variety of different keywords 
and then go get links from all of those places, uh, there's a good chance that you'll at least make it onto the first page. And remember, if you have enough content and links to get to the first page, uh, Google's rank brain typically takes over. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> there's a reason that there's a reason that I outsource this stuff because none of that sounds very appealing to me. No, it's exhausting. I, yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, okay. So for those that do want to think about outsourcing this and like what they they've heard from you, Caleb, um, how can how can people find out more about your company and and get in contact with you? Sure. Yeah, you can check out the website alkylogistics.com. You can send me a note, uh, Caleb at alkylogistics.com. Phone numbers on the website. Uh, I think I annoy my wife a little bit too much by taking calls in the evening and then talking about SEO for an hour and a half when when we should be, you know, uh, watching the next episode of Sharp Objects on HBO, right? Yeah. So um, obviously, you know, you, you've done you and your your team have done great work for me, Caleb. And thanks so much for coming on to talk a little bit more about it. And hopefully, those listening uh, got a lot of value out this, and hopefully, some people will um, will see see that value too, and maybe reach out to you as well. Sure, sounds good. Thanks, Caleb. All right, that is going to do it for another episode of the Online Course Guy podcast. You can find all the show notes and links from today's episode, today's interview, by going to theonlinecourseguy.com slash 71. I'm going to mention the sponsor of this podcast one more time because I highly recommend them. And you can get a 14-day free trial of Bonjoro, which I use each and every day by going to bonjoro.com slash Jacques. And I want you to check out the online course workshop. Many of you have, but if you have not, then it's worth your time. It's gotten a lot of great feedback. It's about 30 minutes long. It's not like an evergreen webinar or live webinar or anything like that. It's a video that you can watch. It's 30 minutes long and it's jam-packed with actionable information for starting an online course or growing an online course beyond where it is right now. Some of my best tips in there. It's free. It's the online course workshop. You can attend right now by going to theonlinecourseguy.com, theonlinecourseguy.com. Guys, there's going to be more Online Course Guy podcasts coming at you real soon. See you then.